Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it, and one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, I hope you've all been enjoying our anniversary week. For those of you who have written in on social media, it's been so great to hear your feedback, and I'm just really happy that you're able to relate and connect to the guests we've had on so far. And to continue the fun, I am very excited to introduce today's guest, actress and former ballerina Amanda Schul. Amanda has starred in a wide variety of films and television programs, notably known for playing the role of Katrina Bennett in USA's Suits for eight seasons and for her leading role of Judy Sawyer in the dance cult classic Center Stage. And yes, in addition to her work as an actor, Amanda is also a former professional ballerina. I am personally really excited to hear about her work in acting and dance, and for those of you who are professional dancers or dance recreationally, I think you'll really enjoy hearing Amanda's story. So you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. So Amanda Schul, you are notably known for playing Katrina Bennett on USA Suits. <laughs> You've also starred in shows like One Tree Hill, Pretty Little Liars, and 12 Monkeys. You have a background in dance and are a former classical ballerina, which I find super fascinating, and I cannot wait to talk about that with you. Um, and you also have a new holiday movie coming out on the Hallmark Channel next month, Project Christmas Wish. So Amanda, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I guess before we get into talking about your career and all of the incredible projects you've worked on, how have you been during the pandemic? Because as we were just talking about before, you had a baby. I had a baby in at the end of February. So um, my little guy, it's a he's a little boy, came <laughs> into the world kind of just before everything went on lockdown, basically. It was um, as we were starting to hear that um, this was looming is just about when we went to the hospital. So um, (laughs) he entered the world um, and only knows the world of of people with masks and socially distant and that sort of thing. Or I should say social distancing. People have been very social. (laughs) They haven't been socially distant. Um, So it's, it's been sort of an interesting ride for us these last nine months. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. I uh, have a couple friends and even a cousin of mine who had a baby during the pandemic. And it is, it's just a completely different, like you were saying, for the child growing up in this weird environment that we're all trying to wrap our heads around. It's just super crazy. Yes. And I was frankly very concerned and sad and scared about it, to be perfectly honest, in the very beginning, um, because he only knew he only knew eyes. He only knew, you know, people's facial expressions with their eyes. And Mm -hmm. to this day, he hasn't met a single family member yet. Um, because all of our family lives a plane right away. And so he, he just hasn't had the, he hasn't yet had, I should say, I should Mm -hmm. rephrase that the, um, the life I envisioned for him. 
You know, I wanted him to be snuggled and held and loved by all of the people who already do love him. And he's met all of his family members through FaceTime. But the interesting thing about that is we've watched him adapt, you know, in a way that I find remarkable. And he reads people's eyes and their facial expressions. And he, for a while, he got, he was confused, you know, when we would go to the pediatrician and she would have a mask on and she was the only person who we visited, really. <laughs> um and he, he w- couldn't read her facial expression. And now he reads eyes and he gets delighted and he understands facial expressions. And he starts laughing and communicating that way. And he recognizes his family members' voices on the phone, which may or may not have been such a quick learning curve, you know, for a nine-month-old ordinarily. I don't know. So, and then, of course, the obvious silver lining with this is my husband and I have had the maternity and paternity leave we never asked for and didn't know that we were going to love so much he's whether he likes it or not he's had us 24 hours a day so we've been delighted by that that's incredible well I think for me so I was in um, New York a couple weeks ago having lunch and it was so sweet there was two like old ladies sitting next to me and the one woman mentioned how sad it's been not seeing like seeing kids on the street but not being able to smile at them and right. see their smiles and it just broke yes. my heart I was like oh my goodness eavesdropping yes. on her conversation I was like oh my goodness that's so true though just the yeah. little like the facial recognition and, and smiles and like you said it's also different now having to really just read people's eyes <laughs> but but it's interesting I mean I, I was really saddened by that in the beginning. And now when we, for instance, this morning we went for, I have a, have a little senior dog. I have an 18 year old dog. Uh-huh. And so we were on a very slow walk this morning and, um, he, several people stopped to talk to him six feet away with masks on and he lit up and he was talking back with them and they were doing peekaboo, you know, and interacting with him with their masks on. And, Mm -hmm. and I just, I think that's such an interesting, and obviously sometimes I pull my mask down when it's safe and I smile at him and reassure him. And, and so he, he's picked up on also the intonation of voices and the cooing and the talking and the higher octaves and all of that. And he gets it. He's learning how to interact in a totally different way. That's so fascinating. I love that. That's amazing. Well, yeah. yeah, in addition to, I guess, the busyness of motherhood, especially motherhood during the pandemic, have you also <laughs> been filming during, I guess, this, what is almost going on a year now? Yes, um, I filmed, let's see, so the the last time I, I filmed Project Christmas Wish a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, and then prior to that, the last time I had worked on camera, I was um, four or five months pregnant. So I didn't work after that. It was sort of just before the holidays, and um, it just isn't a busy time in general. Mm-hmm. And then there were a few jobs I wasn't able to do because they couldn't accommodate a very pregnant <laughs> stomach. <laughs> so, um, so I hadn't been on set for a little while before I hopped on set with project Christmas wish for Hallmark. Uh, we wrapped a little over two weeks ago. Amazing. 
So yeah, yeah, I guess with your career in acting, or I guess let's get into a little bit about your background. You have this background in ballet. What came first with you? Was it ballet or acting? Ballet. Ballet. Definitely ballet, but I'm going to put a little asterisk next to that and say that I was always the most dramatic ballet dancer. Um, (laughs) So the caveat to me dancing was I always wanted to have the most dramatic roles. Um, And even if they weren't dramatic, I somehow managed to make them entirely too dramatic. So it was sort of already written in my DNA that I was going to have um, this trajectory in some way or another. But I started ballet when I was about three, maybe four Mm -hmm. years old. And I went to Indiana University specifically because they have an excellent ballet program. And I studied with some wonderful teachers there. And then the summer after my sophomore year, I got a scholarship to go to the San Francisco Ballet School. And at at the end of the summer program, they offered me a scholarship to stay for the year. And so that's when I left formal university and I was going to school in the morning, studying with the ballet during the day and then performing with the company at night. And the, at the end of that year is when I was cast in center stage. And that's when I had... Um, my first taste of professional acting. Gotcha. So I guess center stage then was really what brought the two worlds together. Correct. Yes. I had done musical theater um, when I was in high school. The last time I had done musical theater was in high school. And I loved that. Um, But ballet is a finite career. Your body can only do it for so long. And it's, um, it's something that you... A dancer, you know, basically sacrifices a lot, not just physically, but also, you know, there are a lot of school dances and a lot of social activities I didn't do because I knew that I had this opportunity with dance um, that I needed to focus on. And, mm-hmm. and so I think, I think that I knew I needed to dance ballet for myself. I owed it to myself. But at the same time, I also knew that there was going to be um, there was going to be a life beyond that uh, that I I always had in the back of my mind that was going to happen. Right. Well, I think that's the really interesting thing with ballet. And you know, our last episode that we had uh, this past week was on Broadway, and we had um, a Broadway actress on, and we were talking about with you know industries like well, dance, for example, ballet. Like you said, your body as an athlete, as a dancer, you're only really in your prime for such a good amount of time. And with this pandemic, I think that's one of the really frustrating things. Oh, it breaks my heart for dancers, for Broadway performers, for athletes, you know, who have trained their entire lives to be at this peak moment, this pivotal moment. Mm -hmm. And I find it really fascinating the who's thriving and who's surviving. I think there's a very distinct difference between those two um, verbs that a lot of people have adapted. And it was really interesting early on, you know, you see people who you're friends with or 
people you would whom you admire um, on social media, for example, and how they've adapted. You know, a lot of dancers started taking class um, in their own homes, and then they started um, social networking to offer classes for people who would sign up with teachers that you may never have an opportunity to meet from the privacy of your living room. And so it was really fascinating to see how people are taking this time to, to, stake, to take stock, mm-hmm. but also be able to continue on. And then other people who who weren't as adaptive during this time. And and I think, and I I used to dance with the San Francisco Ballet, and so I follow them on Instagram. And I've seen, they've been posting a lot about their dancers. They've managed to figure out a way to be able to allow a certain number of dancers into the studio to rehearse. And those dancers are rehearsing. They take, they take regular tests to make sure that they're all healthy. But they're rehearsing with masks on, and they're mm-hmm. taking class with masks on. And I just keep thinking to myself, by the time they're able to take their masks off and perform, their lung capacity and their endurance (laughs) is going to be absolutely amazing. They're going to be unstoppable. I'm so impressed by them. Yeah, it's it's like you said, that adjustment. And, you know, we're in this difficult situation, but let's adjust. Let's figure out how to get through it. And I think that process for so many industries um, is just really amazing to watch. Yes. No, it, it has been really fascinating, but the performance element of it has been, um, there's nothing like watching live ballet, live theater, live, you know, Broadway. And, and that's a a huge loss right now. And for the people, I have one girlfriend who, um, who had planned her retirement to be this past spring and she had a performance that she had announced months prior and that was her final show after a 20 plus year long career, you know, and that's, that's upsetting. And I think that, you know, I think that it's important to highlight the people who have adapted, the people who have thrived, but I also don't think there's anything wrong with admitting like, yeah, this has been really hard. And, Mm -hmm. and there are days when it is incredibly challenging and yeah, I, you know, had a good cry or, you know, yeah, I felt really sorry for myself for a little while before I picked myself up by my bootstraps and went for a walk or, you know, did something good or whatever it may be, because there's nothing wrong with accepting. I think if you keep denying the reality of this situation, it's not necessarily healthy for your headspace. Exactly. I mean, I completely agree. But yeah, so you actually retired from dance in 2006. Is that correct? Yes. 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 So do you still dance today, I guess, while pre-pandemic world? (laughs) Pre-pandemic. I was taking ballet classes up until 35 weeks pregnant. So I managed to, um, it it wasn't, it didn't necessarily look like what it used to look like, but I, (laughs) I took classes as long as I possibly could. And, um, and I, my plan was to go right back as soon as I was able to um, physically and maybe even take my son to be able to listen to the music and, you know, sit in his car seat in the, um, in the corner of the studio and haven't been able to do that. So I do my own little thing, but I haven't been back in a studio. I know it's so rough and I just hope, you know, hopefully with a good vaccine, we'll, be getting the show on the road with everything <laughs> hopefully yes. soon. 
But yes. yeah, until then, it's just the waiting is the worst. Absolutely. So actually, Center Stage just celebrated its 20th year anniversary. Yes. So crazy. <laughs> so I know. For anybody who doesn't know, you played the leading role of Jody Sawyer. And, you know, as we were ta- just talking about before, it really brought you into acting as a professional dancer as well. What did that role and being a part of that production, I mean, what was that like for you in terms of your career and just lessons you've learned? Um, it almost feels now like, like, a, like a dream. Mm-hmm. like a fantasy. I'm cuz I'm so far um I've 20 years later I only remember it in like these vivid dream sequences in my head. It was amazing. And I I I I've said before and I'll say it again, it was the best summer job of my life. I couldn't believe that I was actually being paid to do the things that I was getting to do. It was <laughs> I was surrounded by the world's best dancers and I, I got to learn from them. And then I was surrounded by phenomenal actors and actresses and I learned from them. And, and on top of that, they were all amazing people who I ended up striking wonderful friendships with. So every day on set was just a celebration, right. a celebration of dance, a celebration of acting. And Sir Nicholas Heitner, who was the director, um, loves ballet and loves theater and respected all of that. And so it, it was just people being able to play. And, and I think, I think I, I have this unique perspective of it because it was it was very similar to the life that I was already living. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like I was stretching so far beyond my comfort zone. I, it's not fair to say that, you know, I was, yes, I was acting, but at the same time, I was sort of just portraying someone, you know, who was very close to a life I was living at the time. So it was just it was just a truly magical experience. And the fact that people even watched it, like that didn't even dawn on me while we were doing that. People were going to watch it, you know, and people actually like it and people to this day remember it. And that's, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, in the, in the dance community, especially it's become such a cult classic. Yeah. Yeah, it has, which is so funny to me because, you know, at the time, it was like, we, we did this, we did this movie and we were all had a great time and I don't know what other people were imagining. I don't know what other people were, um, were thinking every day they, they set foot onto the set or onto the stage, but I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about the future life of it. I was just thinking, how can I make this as good in this moment? Mm-hmm. And that people actually, um, a tuned in, B appreciated it and, you know, see still enjoy it to this day is honestly I'm not saying this um to be you know oh you know humble me it's oh my goodness I can't believe how lucky I was to be part of something that struck such a chord Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, it's such a special movie for so many people, like you mentioned. And, you know, I'm not even an actor, but I can only just imagine how, you know, great that is to be a part of a film that's so widely loved by, you know, such a wide group of people. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think, I think the, the diversity of people um, who found something in it that they enjoyed is also what really struck me as special mm-hmm. because, um you know, people who, who weren't dancers, like you said, and people who were dancers and people who were professional or not professional. And then also what really, um, and I've said this before, but this is something that I've always, um, been so honored, I guess, to be part of is I had a number of men approach me and young male dancers approach me after the movie came out to tell me that their parents didn't understand why they loved dance until they showed them center stage. Mm -hmm. And then they understand, understood why their sons wanted to commit their lives to this. And that I think a lot of people understand why, why young ladies would want to be dancers, but they don't understand how powerful and how beautiful and just captivating a good male dancer can be. And I think that was really um, highlighted with Ethan and Sasha in particular in the movie. And that was really special to, um, to know that it helped a lot of men on their journey um, mm-hmm. with dance. Well, and that's what a good film does. Um, you know, that really it representation is huge for it. And then just connecting with that audience and having, yes. you know, you want that audience member to sort of see themselves on the screen, relate to a character. Or see a life that they would never have an opportunity to know or relate to at all. I mean, to mm-hmm. introduce you to something that's so far removed from your comfort zone and, and your inner circle, I think, is a gift that actors and film um, have the opportunity to be part of uh, with every single role and everything, every single story. And and so that was um, that was one that was one world that's somewhat insular that um, that I think was a little peek into it. Mm-hmm. Well, a great segue into our next topic has to do with that. So you were a character on one of my favorite shows ever, Suits. Um, <laughs> it's so beloved by so many, and it has such a great, you know, talented group of cast members, um, including the lovely Meghan Markle, with. You having played a corporate attorney for, I guess, what was it, over six years on the show? I was on the show for eight seasons. Yeah, wow. Okay, so yes, having been on the show for, I guess, over, yeah, eight seasons. Wow, I forgot how many seasons there were. And I guess getting to play that role, be in that profession, do you feel that you know a lot about law? Because as someone who watched the show, I felt like I learned a ton about law. Good for you. (laughs) Um, My father's a corporate attorney. Wow. So um, I grew up respecting and appreciating that. I'm not saying that I grew up having a great understanding of it, Um, but I knew enough about it. And I've actually always been fascinated by law shows. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that that for me – it's, it's always really fun to do research for a character and to sort of pretend, play pretend 
a little bit, you know, um, that's, that's one of my favorite elements of my profession is that I feel sort of like I haven't had, when I go out to dinner, my favorite types of meals are tapas. And I feel like that's kind of my (laughs) career. It's like, yes, I'm an actor, but at the same time, I get to do research for all of these other roles and these other, um, you know, careers and lifestyles that I haven't had, I get to be somebody else, you know, on a regular basis. And that's, that's sort of the tapas of vocation, I guess. Um, (laughs) And, and so, yes, with Katrina, um, that was really fun. And there were definitely times that I did a little bit of research to understand things or, you know, I called my dad a few times to, um, to fact check and make sure that what (laughs) I was saying was, was tracking. Um, And so, yeah, I guess there have been times when I, I probably I overreach and I think I know a little bit more about the law because I played pretend for eight seasons. <laughs> yeah, well, I love what you said about tapas, by the way. Like, I relate to that completely because <laughs> I'm the type of person that will watch a show and, like, for example, like, I'd watch an episode of Suits and then be, like, full Kim Kardashian, like, I'm changing my career, I'm going to become a lawyer. <laughs> And I do that with so many, like when I watch a show, when I watch a movie, I just fall in love with the profession and I'm like, oh my gosh, I so want to do that. (laughs) But you also have to take into consideration that there are probably very few professions that have 365 days of glamour, you know, so there's a lot of work that goes into every single one of these professions and people don't just wake up in those beautiful, you know, Manolo Blahniks and fabulous outfits and, um, and get paid the big bucks like everyone did at Pearson, Spectre, Lit, Hardman, <laughs> Zane, you so know, many all names, of the above. So many names. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I felt, may have felt like I, like I knew a little bit more than wh- from where I started, but at the same time, I, I definitely don't think that I should be representing anyone um, on the uh, in, in a courtroom anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it was such a great show, and um, you know, it recently just concluded. So, was it nine seasons? I guess nine seasons. Nine yes. seasons, incredible. Yes. Yeah, such a fantastic show, and you know, I. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now for anybody who is <laughs> interested in hearing this little good conversation. Yes. Um, but no, such a good show. And then you shot that in Canada. Correct. In Toronto. In Toronto. Yes. Because as someone, you know, living in New York, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> this is yeah. not New York City. No, in Toronto. They did shoot the pilot in New York, but it was, um, easier and more cost effective to shoot the series in Toronto. Yes, definitely. I feel like that's for every project that shoots up in Toronto. Yes. So (laughs) yes. And you have a new project coming out. We were mentioning it before project, literally project Christmas wish. Yes. Um, It's a movie coming out on Hallmark. I believe it's airing on December 20th. It is, yes. So what can you tell us about the premise, the character? I feel like right now with this pandemic, we need some good Hallmark movies filled with like some joy and happiness. And that is exactly what this is. <laughs> you know, when when I got the call um, about, the, about the movie, 
I was excited before I even read the script. And um, my reps were like, you know, take a second. You don't need to answer. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I need in my life right now. (laughs) And then, of course, when I read the script, I was like, double confirm, 100%. Um, It's fun and playful and funny. It's got quite a bit of humor in it. And just yummy Christmas deliciousness. It's a beautiful little story. Um, My character's name is Lucy Keller, and she lives in a small town. And I've seen it um, described that she plays Santa for her town, but it's more than that. She runs a program called Project Christmas Wish, where she gets people from all over the town um, to submit their wishes what they want more than anything in the world. And so um, it can be something as small as wanting um, some material item. One wish was um, that is mentioned is that the principal wants um, tablets for his students at the school. Fair enough. Somebody (laughs) else wants her son to come home um, who's been stationed across the country. You know, just wonderful things. And she she finds ways to bring the whole town together to, to grant these wishes for people. And um, Travis Van Winkle plays the role of Lucas and his daughter sneaks off and makes a project Christmas wish unbeknownst to him to have Christmas like they used to have before his wife, her mother passed away. And so it's a beautiful, charming, um, story of Lucy trying to bring joy back to their lives and how they go about doing it. And of course, with any good Hallmark movie in conflict, um, Lucas does not, he's a Grinch and he does not want to, um, (laughs) the classic archetype, but it's, it's quite fun and it was a lot of fun to do. And it was sort of just what the doctor ordered at yes. this time for me to be able to get to do this project. Amazing. That sounds so warm and cozy of a film. I've it already was. <laughs> grab a cocoa and watch it. Yes. I have already begun indulging and well, I think Disney Disney Plus just added a bunch of Christmas movies. And of course, I naturally began watching them this week. I'm like, I'm not even gonna wait for Thanksgiving. I'm just gonna indulge. And oh, I love Christmas movies. Any any sort of holiday film. I think this year especially, a lot of people won't probably won't be able to be with their families. So you know, I think this is um, a nice, cozy opportunity to to get all of your holiday feels in by by tuning into um, your Christmas movies, Hallmark, Disney Plus, whatever your um, your choice may be. Yes, definitely. So yeah, with Thanksgiving coming up, then. Um, Everybody, like you said, will be celebrating in their own crazy way this holiday season. Are you going to be, do you cook? Is there anything that you're looking forward to? My son doesn't allow us a lot of cooking time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's, he'll be nine months old um, the day before Thanksgiving. So wonderful. And we haven't been able to have any childcare um, during this pandemic. So 
it's all hands on deck for my husband and myself. So we'll probably be, um, we will probably be turning to uh, ordering some prepared things, which isn't usually how I like to do it because I do cook quite a bit, but I'll probably make a few things and then also um, order a few things just to make yeah. sure that I um, have all boxes ticked and I have the, the time to warm everything and not, um, you know, not have raw turkey and sloppy potatoes and right. anything else like hey, that. Hey, that is just as wonderful, I think, to support, you know, if you don't, people don't want to cook, if they're not having a big Thanksgiving dinner like normal, supporting local businesses during this time is super, yes. super important. And we've done this before because we haven't always been able to be with family um, for Christmas or Thanksgiving is order a few things and then you can make a few other things or you can spice up the stuff that you order to make it taste like your own. And restaurants are hurting right now. They appreciate that. Right. And I heard there's a shortage of small turkeys. So, <laughs> Oh, that makes sense, doesn't it? With, yeah, with all like families downsizing for the celebration, I heard that there's like no little baby turkeys. <laughs> oh, sad so, for baby turkeys, so but sad. for big old grandpa and grandma turkeys, way to get your pardons in. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Amanda, this was so wonderful. Um, but before we go, I love to conclude by asking, you know, with this being Handling It podcast and everybody, especially during this whole pandemic, this holiday season, everybody's just really trying to handle their way through it. What's yes, a yes. piece of advice or maybe a life lesson you've learned, whether it's through your career or just life in general, that's really helped you handle your life? during this pandemic or just life in general whatever you're feeling um whatever you think people will benefit most from well I, th I did touch on this um a little bit earlier but I think it's really important right now to respect your your emotions and what you have going on not to force yourself to feel anything mm -hmm. I know that it's really easy to either get down in the dumps or to push away and suppress um, those tendencies. But I have a saying or a little mantra that I usually um, call into practice when I've been um, really hoping for a role. If I've gone out for something, maybe gone to a, a few callbacks or whatever else, and it doesn't work my way. And it's something my agent who I've um, been with for a long time says, you know, you can, you can be sorry and you can be upset with yourself um, and about the situation for an hour and then mm -hmm. it's onward and upward. And so I've, I've sort of taken that and if I'm upset, I allow myself to be upset, but not for very long. You know, it's okay to be upset. Give yourself an hour. If it's something that you feel you maybe need an hour and a half, two hours, <laughs> but it's important also to try to find the silver lining and go onward and upward from that moment and maybe even learn something from whatever it is that's gotten you down. And I think, um, we all have had our ups and downs during these last eight or nine months and, and that's okay. Right. Yeah. I think that's amazing career advice and fantastic pandemic advice too. 
You know, everything's out of our control with this virus, Um, whether it's with our careers, like, you know, so many people are struggling, but like you said, we have to sort of just push onwards and look for that silver lining. I've been saying that to everybody, like look for that silver lining and like, hold on to that throughout this process. And sometimes just looking for it will make you feel better too. And the other thing is, if it means you have to have a piece of chocolate cake or a glass of wine or whatever it is until you find that silver lining, that's okay. Yeah. You can do that. (laughs) That's just fine. Yes, that is perfectly okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. I'm so excited for this movie coming out, Project Christmas Wish. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. I'm excited to see it myself. (laughs) Yes. Well, yes, enjoy your holiday season, and yes, stay safe. Happy holidays to you and to everyone listening. Thank you very much. All right, I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Amanda. Not only am I such a fan of her work on Suits, but I also love dance, so it was so great to learn about her career in acting and ballet. Also, I have so much admiration for parents right now during this pandemic, and for first-time parents especially who are navigating through the difficulties of working from home and social distancing. So I hope for all the parents out there that you were able to relate to Amanda's story. I've also listed a link in the episode description below if you want to learn more about Amanda's new movie, Project Christmas Wish. I personally can't wait to check it out. So thank you to Amanda so much for coming on, and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at handlingitpodcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. We'll be back soon with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.